Oh yeah, you are. It is a Thursday and we're so good to have you on the show with us and uh, thanks for sticking around. And it's just going to be a half hour. You're going to learn lots and you have the opportunity right now this second and be part of the Employment Law Show. We're going to cover a lot of things on the show like we do every week, every night. So uh, you got to get in on it. You must do something about it when that's going to be our topic for the day in just a bit. Maybe get to some email later on. And of course, your your phone calls are always top priority. So so bring those on. But we always get it rolling with the uh, case of the day, something you've been working on. Lior, what do you got for us? Hey, Johnny, always great to be here. Always happy to answer questions. You're right. It is the best part of my day to be able to talk to our great listeners and hopefully make Mm -hmm. them feel a bit better about their workplace rights. But I can't do that without the listeners' help. So if you have a workplace issue, a workplace question, question about your job security, anything that's happening with your boss or employer, well, why don't you call us right now, as John said, give us that opportunity to talk to you, to help you, and give you the information that you need to have Because guess what? Our laws in this province are really good. Employment laws are excellent. Uh, But you may not know what they are, but that's where I come in. I'll tell you what they are. I'll help you and make sure that when you hang up the phone and go about the rest of your day, you'll feel better about what your rights are. And of course, that's on radio. But if you want to contact me the rest of the time when I'm not on radio, you want to have a private chat, you want to have an email discussion, easy to do. All you have to do is uh, call me or email me. We'll give you that information throughout the show. Now that we know that, though, let me tell you, as John said, about the, the, my case of the day, a situation that came across uh, my desk today, wouldn't you know it? Well, I uh, spoke with a gentleman who had worked a part-time uh, it really was more of a casual part-time. He was working weekends every other weekend for about three years. Uh, did mm-hmm. that? Uh, he had a full-time job, so he was working kind of part-time casually with this other employer. After three years, they said, you know what? We like you a lot. We want you to come and work for us uh, regular full-time. So he liked it. He quit the other job, joined the company, and now he was working for them regular Monday to Friday uh, work. Fast forward four years to now. Uh, company lets him go, unfortunately, he says we are restructuring, got to let you go. So the question now becomes, when they let him go, they say, you're a four-year employee. We're going to pay you severance as a four-year employee. Uh, so he thinks that actually makes sense. And he calls me and he wants to know, am I really a four-year employee? I kind of was working there three years before on a casual part-time basis. So what's the answer? No, the answer is he's not a four-year employee. The answer is that he's a seven-year employee. That time that he had working for them, casual part-time, counts, absolutely counts. And that means now he's a seven-year employee, and he should be getting severance like a seven-year employee. And that's for him probably eight, maybe even nine months of severance that he's going to be owed instead of maybe half of that uh, if he was only a four-year employee. So that's why it's important to understand that your seniority always continues. If you go to casual, to, to part-time, to full-time, throughout those changes, you don't start at zero. It's continuous. And the reason why that's important is that the more seniority you have, the more length of service you have, the more right. severance you get. So you want to have as much length of service as possible. So it doesn't start fresh just because you were hired full-time. The time you had with the previous company, even if it was casual, counts. And for this guy, it meant an extra few months of severance now, which I'm going to get him. But of course, a good reminder there for everyone listening. 
Excellent reminder to always reach out if you're ever, uh, you know, skeptical about uh, what's going on with your workplace, be it severance or otherwise, just make that phone call, man. 1-855-821-5900 is how you stay on top of that with Lior and the team. But here and now, you can be the uh, you can be the one asking the questions. Stephen, thanks for uh, thanks for coming in tonight. How are you? I'm very good, thank you. How are you? Beauty. What's on your mind, pal? All right, so uh, when I originally joined my organization, I signed an offer of employment contract that stipulated uh, upon severance, if I were to have my employment severed with the organization, I would be entitled to three-week severance for every year of employment. Now, I've listened to your show many times, and I know that based on age, years of service, and the ability to gain similar employment are the factors determining the amount of severance paid. But I'm wondering if I signed that contract that said I'm only entitled to three weeks per year, will that hold up or can that be argued? Thank you. So, yeah. So, Stephen, how long have you worked for this company? Uh, I have been there for seven years. Hmm. So I can tell you that the employment agreements drafted seven years ago are not going to be 99% of the time not going to be enforceable today for various reasons. The laws have changed significantly over these seven years and the requirements in order to have an enforceable termination clause has have changed. So there's a 99.5 chance it's not going to be worth the paper it's written on, but I obviously can't say that without seeing it, right? I need to see it. And the reason why that's important for you to know is that if it was enforceable, then you'd be limited to 21 weeks. If it's not enforceable, I mean, depending on the job you're doing and your age, you could be looking at 12 months severance. So that's obviously something that, that we need to, to know. So if and when you're let go or if you want to know for sure, just send me a copy of that employment agreement. And then I can tell you not 99.5. I can tell you 100% once I've read it. Uh, so I think that's the best way to go, Stephen. Absolutely. Thank you very much. Thanks, Stephen. I'm going to give you that number to uh, to reach out again, 1-855-821-5900, help at employmentlawyer.ca for email as well. And uh, you're encouraged always to do just like, see how quick you get some answers? We'll get to one of our points here before we get to our first break, Leo, on the topic, as mentioned, was you must do something about it when you're being recalled back from work, but being paid less. That's not cool. It's not cool. And, by you know, recall back to work, first of all, let's be very clear here. We're talking about situation where you put on a temporary layoff or put on a leave of absence. You don't even have to accept those leaves of absence or the layoff. But I'm talking, what if you decide to accept it? Yeah, you know what? I, I know it could be a constructive dismissal, but I'm just going to go back when recalled. Well, if you're recalled and they call you back at a different job or less pay, well, you don't want to accept that. If you just go back to work, it's as if you're saying to your employer, do whatever you want now and in the future, and I have no problem with it. It's a surefire way to give up all the legal rights that you have. So if you're going to be called back to work, but to a different job, I think it's an, or a different pay, it's time to say enough is enough. It's a constructive dismissal uh, and get severance and move on. But again, I want to another reminder. You don't have to accept that layoff or that leave to mm-hmm. begin with. You can treat the layoff itself as being a constructive dismissal. Good way to open her up. We'll take a short break and get right back to more. you still got a ton of time. We continue the Thursday night edition Employment Law Show. Stand by. Lior is here for the remainder of the hour trying to answer all those questions in between our topic of the day, which is you must do something about it when, but that number 416-870-6400 ready to go. Yeah, you got to do something about it. Despite your good performance, your employer puts you on a performance improvement plan. So let's face it, if you're 
a good performer, you do a, a good job or a good enough job, uh, and you're put on a performance improvement plan despite that, that means that something else is going on, right? A good employee is not doesn't go on a performance improvement plan for legitimate reasons. And what's likely is going on, and, and I've seen this happen, so I'm talking here from experience, is that the company is saying, well, we need to make a move. We want to let someone go, but we really don't want to have to pay all the severance. So let's try to build the case to see if we can let someone go for cause, and maybe then we can avoid paying severance. So the way we do that is let's put someone on a performance improvement plan. Let's tell them the performance is not good, and then let's try to build a case to push them out for cause. Seen it happen uh, many times. We'll see it happen again many times, no doubt. So you can't ignore that. You can't just say, well, you know, it's just one of those things. All right, I'll just continue working. No, because by ignoring it, you're playing into the employer's hands if that's what the employer is trying to do to, to push you out for cause. So instead of that, you first of all, you understand that silence is the same as acceptance. So if you were put on a performance improvement plan when you're a good employee and you don't say anything, you may as well be saying, yes, okay, I didn't do a good job. I, I, I really uh, made a, a mess of the work that you gave me. Don't do that. Instead, you say you disagree with it, okay? Tell your employer why you shouldn't be put put on a performance improvement plan. Here's the real facts, employer. Here's what I did. Here's what I didn't do. And here's why I don't think this is this is uh, correct. That's all you need. You don't need your employer to agree to this. You don't need your employer to be on the same page as you. But by you saying you disagree, by you giving the facts, you're going to make it mm. very difficult for the company to rely on that. So they're not going to be able to let you go for cause, or it's going to be unbelievably difficult to do that. You're going to increase the chances of either keeping your job or certainly the chances of getting your full severance. So yes, you have to do something about it when you're put on a performance improvement plan, and now you know what to do. Written correspondence with your employer, whether they reply or not, is always a great idea. Keeping records, right? Always in writing. Always in writing. And and. You, you, you'll never, ever regret having something in writing. I've never seen someone regret that. I've seen hundreds of people regretting not having things in writing. So I always say if it's not in writing, it doesn't exist. It's easy to create that written record. Send an email confirming what was said. Send an email confirming what was agreed to. It takes you a few seconds and you'll be glad that you did. So bring it on. You must do something about it when your employer starts taking away responsibilities or changes hours of work. And I'll even add, even if your pay stays the same, right? You're right. Absolutely right. So all these things that John just mentioned, changing your job, your responsibilities, your, 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 your pay, whatever it is, can result in a constructive dismissal. And it gives you the right to treat that as a termination. But the reason why we're talking about you have to do something about it is ignoring it just is, an, is the same as an agreement that your employer can do it again. So let's say that your employer changes your shift and, you know, instead of working uh, nine to five, you're going to work 12 to eight. Well, if you just continue working, you don't say anything about it, then guess what? By doing that, you've given them the right to make other changes to your shift. And then when they say, well, now we're going to work you midnight till 8 a.m., you won't be able to do anything about it. That wouldn't be a constructive dismissal at that point. Why? Because you let them change your hours before bad idea. So anytime there's a significant change to the terms of your employment, you really have to think about, am I comfortable opening that door? Am I comfortable for this happening again and again? And if you're not, you have to think constructive dismissal. And John's completely right. 
if your responsibilities are reduced or demoted, that's a constructive dismissal, even if the pay stays the same. If it's a position with less responsibilities or one where they took away managerial responsibilities, or maybe one where now it's going to be embarrassing to work because everyone's going to know you've been demoted, that's a mm-hmm. constructive dismissal, even if the pay is the same. And you don't want to open that door, at least now without thinking about it long and hard. Uh, another one here. This is a big warning sign here, man. It says you must do something about it when after a few years on the job, you're already there. Now your employer asks you to sign a new employment agreement when you walk in one day. Yeah, it, it, it seems so innocent, I guess. You know, you two, two people, well, you know, hey, Joe, uh, you know, we, we're having everyone sign new employment agreements. Just do me a favor. Sign this before you uh, you head home today. Uh, you'll see the salary is the same. Everything's the same. Just, just I need this for HR. Sounds pretty innocuous, right? It doesn't sound yeah, too yeah. problematic. And I think most people are going to say, yeah, sure, you know, no big deal. I'm just going to sign it. And two seconds later, even forget that you did that. Bad idea. Terrible idea. It's never that innocent. It's never that simple. If your employer out of the blue wants you to sign a new employment agreement, there's a reason for that. And it's not because they like to have pieces of paper in the office. The reason for that is because there are terms in there that they want to be able to rely on in the future. For example, like with our first caller today, Stephen, there could be a termination clause that allows them to let you go in the future by paying you a lot less severance than they would otherwise have to pay. It could be and likely is a term there that allows them to change your pay and change your job. Remember, an employer doesn't have a right to do that. They don't have a right to change your pay and and your job unless you sign an employment agreement that gives them that right. And by the same token, that employment agreement can give them the right to put you on a temporary layoff or to prevent you from working for a competitor. You name it, and this is just the, the, the tip of the iceberg. So because of that, it's always a bad idea. So you have to do something about it. And by that, have to do something about it is understand what they want you to sign. Don't just look at, is your hourly rate the same or your, your hourly pay or your week's vacation? No. Yeah. Let me look at it. Let me tell you what it actually does, what it actually says, so that you know what you're agreeing to. Or even better, just say, sorry, employer, I, I appreciate what you're saying. I'm comfortable with what we already have. I'm not going to sign this. You can't be punished for doing that. So very important, and it's never just an innocent, meaningless thing when your employer wants you to sign a new employment agreement. I mean, if it is on the up and up and it appears to be kosher, don't they still have to throw you something for signing it to make it legal, binding, I guess? So that's the next level of the analysis, absolutely. So Mm -hmm. if you're already working and your employer wants you to sign a new employment agreement and for that agreement to be enforceable, you need to get something in return for signing it. You already have the job, so that's not going to work. So they need to give you something else. (laughs) Maybe a signing bonus, a pay increase, extra vacation, something that you wouldn't otherwise have. And if they don't, but you still sign that document, arguably it's not enforceable. But still the best advice is still don't sign something regardless unless you understand what it does and you're prepared to be bound by it. We are talking about times you must do something about it, and that is, you know, you've asked your employer to investigate sexual harassment by a coworker. You've asked maybe several times, but nothing has been done about it yet. They're brushing it under the carpet, right? It happens more often than it should, a lot more often than it should. And, you know, these days with everything we've heard over the past few years about workplace harassment and, and uh, you know, sexual harassment, employers do a better job than they used to but not all employers, unfortunately. There's still too many employers out there 
They don't take these allegations seriously. They don't properly investigate and they don't make all the efforts that they can make to rectify that situation. Everyone has a right to work in a harassment-free work environment. And if you've already spoken to your employer that someone is mistreating you, bullying you, harassing you, nothing's happened, you can't just ignore that. If you ignore that, you're gonna, it's going to impact your health. You may decide just to quit. You may end up going on a disability leave. I've seen that happen time and time again. So what do you do? Well, if you can't resolve it internally, see how differently they react when they hear from me. So they may have ignored you, but they're not going to ignore me. So if they hear from me and saying, uh, this person has raised these harassment allegations, you haven't done anything about them, uh, do that now, please. You see how fast they start moving and doing something about it. So that's certainly one option. The other option is you may simply be able to say, I gave you an opportunity, employer, to fix this problem. I gave you an opportunity to create a positive work environment. You didn't do it. That's a constructive dismissal. I'm going to leave now. I'm going to get out of here. I'm going to get my severance from you. So you have rights and you have options. But one of those options should not be just ignoring uh, your employer's failure to deal with your harassment issues. As we uh, roll on down this list of things, you must do something about it when you're being offered a job as an independent contractor, but you know you're not really one. So you, you have a regular job, you're going to work regular hours, you do what the boss says, but they want to call you an independent contractor. You must know on some gut level that it's not right, that it can't be like that easy. And it's not. It's illegal. You're actually entering into an illegal relationship. You've been misclassified. And the reason I say you got to do something about it is if you just, well, okay, well, I'll just be an independent contractor. Who cares? That could cost you a lot, literally. CRA may get involved at some point if they ever audit you and they say, no, 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 you're an employee. Don't try to tell me you're a contractor. There may be fines, penalties, interest, back taxes uh, to pay. And that could be a lot of money. Why do that? Uh, so if you've been misclassified or your employer wants to misclassify, you say, well, hire but as an independent contractor, don't do it. Okay, it's not worth the risk. Uh, if you want to know if, if you're truly an independent contractor, happy to talk to you. You can also go to our pocketemploymentlawyer.ca website. Hmm. We have an independent contractor tool there that allows you to find out. But I've seen these situations go terribly, uh, terribly bad. Uh, and definitely, definitely, if you've been misclassified and your employer says, oh, no, you're really an independent contractor, remember, if they let you go, you're owed severance because you're actually an employee. Okay, so you got to call me if that happens. You could be owed as much as two years severance. Get Ryan on the air. Hey, Ryan, uh, what's up, pal? Hey, thanks for taking the call. Uh, I love you the bet. show. Super thanks. informative. Um, just quick question. So I took a promotion basically on an interim basis with like an end date that I did sign a contract for the end of the year. Uh, and I basically was performing those duties prior, uh, to signing the contract and just wondering how that works. Now, uh, they're, uh, interviewing myself and other candidates for like the full-time role in the position and just wondering what your rights are best way to navigate that situation, depending on how it unfolds. So I, I take it that at all times you knew that there's a possible end date for this promotion. In other words, there was no guarantees you're going to stay in that position indefinitely. Is that fair? Uh, I would say that's fair, yeah. Okay. So because of that, they're not required, obviously, to 
to put you in that role permanently. What they're they're able to do is to make whatever decision they want to make. Uh, and if if it turns out that you're put in that position permanently and you want that, that's great. If not, then their options are either to put you back in the position you had previously, or the option is, it's always an option for an employer, they can let you go. An employer member can always let an employee go. Of course, they would have to pay you severance. So if, if on the other hand, this was a situation where you were led to believe that this is a, a full-time indefinite promotion, and now they're saying, no, no, we may bring you back to your old position, that would not be legal. That would be a constructive dismissal. But because you always understood and, and, and you, you knew that this may or may not lead to a permanent promotion, it's okay for them not to give it to you, uh, but they can't also demote you to a position that's lower than what you had before. If they bring you back to what you had before, that's okay. Anything less than that could be a constructive dismissal. Okay, yeah, thanks for the answer. It makes a lot of sense. Uh, if I may, if there's a follow-up question opportunity, sure. just wondering if, so the what I would anticipate too is if they did go another route, uh, I could see or envision a situation where they'd want to expand or uh, have me entertain the idea of me working some of the expanded responsibilities that I already was doing, but returning to the older role. So how does that, how would that shake out? Well, it's certainly not something that you have to agree to. If they want you to do more work but not pay you on that basis, no, you can insist on going back to your old job. Uh, but oh, I mean, I think the best way to deal with that is to come to an agreement with them as to what makes sense and not to get into conflict if they clearly like you and value you. But you also don't want to be taken advantage of. If it gets to the point of being taken advantage of, you will always have the right to say that's a constructive dismissal. So my best advice is if and when you find out that they want to do something that's different with you than what they're currently doing, let's talk about it. At that point, we'll know the specifics and we can discuss whether that may be a constructive dismissal or not. Okay, thanks for your time. Thanks, Ryan. Appreciate it, pal. And as we just about get ready and get set to uh, to fly out of here for this uh, particular night, I want to give you the contact information one more time to reach out to Lior if you didn't get an email read or didn't call into the show. That's no problem. One eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. Again, one eight five five eight two one fifty nine hundred. It's help at employmentlawyer.ca. And the website you always go to first. Tons of information, free, anonymous, and there's also the severance pay calculator. Uh, severance calculator available here as well. Pocket employmentlawyer.ca. You can use it anytime you like, pocketemploymentlawyer.ca. We are done. Back in here on the weekend with another edition of the Employment Law Show. Enjoy the rest of your night.